glasses keep filling after the Lord.
If you have not repented, please do right now. My sister with the blue mask that's scratching your head, I want you to raise your hand. I see a dark road. I see a dark road. I see a dark path that is paved right in front of you. A road of pain. A road. Lined with the intent to purge. You're going to die. But before you do, There are some things that need to die. There's a purge that God is bringing you to. And where you're going, everybody can't go with you. But it is imperative that you lay aside everything that you can't carry with you. The Lord uses pain at times to bring about a perfect work in our life. You're a fighter. 
that you don't give in too easy. But the Lord knows how to bring us to our knees. There's a deep work that God is going to do. And he's going to use pain to bring it about. My brother with the red scarf, to raise your hands. Transparency is what God is calling for. Being open, being transparent before God. Laying it all out on the table. That's what God is calling for. Not your achievements, but your underachievements. God is calling you. But you must answer. It is imperative that in this hour you lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets you and run this race with patience. The areas of our life that we've learned to live with that may appear to not be a big deal to everyone else can be a big deal to God. God has preserved you. But God is calling you closer. It is time to stand upon the places that is yours to stand it is imperative that houses be put in order my brother Lift your hands, church, stretch your hands. I pray healing. Every area that you feel trapped, God has a key to open. Everything that you have a hard time forgetting, God knows how to erase. Ulito Manlomo Komanda Basat. 
You've got to kill it. You've got to kill it. You've got to kill it. You've got to kill it tonight. You've got to destroy it tonight. Because what you don't kill will destroy you later. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no God with me. You can be seated. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no God with me I kill 
and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and reward them that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nation, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. I heard a song for the first time years ago and it was simple it said that God is a good God and the church responded with yes he is and they would say it again God is a good God they would say, yes, he is. And then they would say, yes, he is. And they would repeat, yes, he is. And if they did it too long, the church went into an uproar. There's something about Jesus. I remember there was an old church mother. She would always get up when they had testimony service. And she would sing, he is sweet, I know. Nobody could sing that song like Sister Wilson would sing that song. There's some songs that people sing today. Talk to my son and my wife. We get into debates, spats. I am convinced that they love the more carnal songs. And I like the good stuff. Uh, 
I'm not talking about songs that are worldly. But they like the songs. They like some of the old stuff, but I like all of the old stuff. If it was possible, I probably could drive 16, 17 hours listening to just about anything that James Cleveland wrote. Or Mahalia Jackson. My son got in the car the other day before I did and when I got into the vehicle all I heard was boom tap, boom tap, boom tap, boom tap and I cut it off. Because all I heard was instruments but no substance. Now, I don't say that by the Holy Ghost. I'd say that that's part of me. And my wife, if I turn on some music, she just takes the pillow that she got from the airport She's persuaded it's going to be a long ride. She pulls out her cell phone and plays one of those word games. It's like she detaches. But if I play some stuff that's on K-Love, I play that stuff that's in the conferences, that alerts them. And it's like they get up. One day we were talking and I said to them, I said, this music, I'm not saying that all of it, but a lot of it, from my perspective. And some people may call me opinionated. I just think that some folks just need to come up higher. <laughs> I told them, I said, this song is centered around the beat. If you had no good beat, there would be no good song. I said, the songs that I like to listen to can be sung without music. Because there's substance to the song. I said, most people back then, they wrote music out of their experience. They went through something. And the reason why their songs were hits is not because it was written to get 
people to buy it. But it was wrote not for the intent of trying to sell the people. They were already sold while they wrote the song. I told him, I said, this song is relevant to whatever generation you sing it in. Why? Because when I go through something, I can't go to K-Love and get what I'm looking for. But I begin to take my mind back to some song that I heard in Sunday school. Or some song that I heard during morning devotion. And I would say that those songs have a tendency to take me a little bit further. Because they sing about an experience that they had with God. They talk more about, they tell a story. The songs a day, they have a catchy beat. They repeat, repeat, repeat the same words over and over and over again. And people that sing them, oftentimes, or the one that wrote it, oftentimes had no experience with God. The intent of writing the song was not to get or not to minister, but it was wrote out of the desire to make it a number one hit. There's something to be said when you're dealing with a person that when you sing, there's a connection. There's something about when you hear a song that Jesus is a healer. That when you're sick in your body, that song hits different when you're sick than it did when you knew no sickness. I've learned that throughout the years that people have a tendency to value mountain experiences over valleys. Once again, I remember one song about one singing about how I got over. But nobody likes to sing songs about going through the valley. Going through the storm. 
We like to sing and testify and shout over the fact that God said today, the storm is over. That right there is enough to make somebody shout. Why? Because a person could be in a storm and some storms last a few weeks. Some storms last a few years. And when people end in the storms, most of the time they've got leaving on their mind. It's not about how I can get closer. <laughs> Usually it's about how can I get over this thing? When are you going to bring me out? But I remember sitting at the kitchen table of a good old friend of mine that's passed away. And I would say it probably was maybe six months to a year before he died. My wife is sitting at the table and I'm sitting at the table and I believe my son was sitting on this couch. And I was privy to some things that he had gone through that most people had no clue about the things he was going through these last years of his life. But he began to talk about some things in an indirect way because my wife was present and he knew that I knew. He did not know that my, he knew, he knew that I knew. But he knew that my wife didn't know. And he said, I've learned some things about God. And when he said it, this guy was not a soft guy. This guy was not, this guy was a tough guy. But storms know how to bring some stuff out of you. He said, I learned some things about God. And then the tear fell down his eye. He said, Brother Hurt, I've learned some things about God that I never would have learned if I never would have gone through what I've gone through. I remember when he initially got in it. I remember when he told me what he felt and I said, no, no, brother, surely not. Impossible. That's what I was thinking in my mind. But sometimes you can know that you're getting ready to step into something. And no matter how much you want to believe otherwise, 
you know, a lot of times, most of the time when storms hit, by the time you're in it, oftentimes people will say, well, man, when I sit back and I actually think about it, God was preparing me. His tears begin to run down his eyes. He begins to talk. And he says that, talks about how it hurt. Talked about the pain. Talked about the suffering. Talked about the sorrow. But he didn't stop there. He didn't magnify the pain. He didn't magnify the suffering. He didn't magnify the sorrow. But what he did magnify was what he got a hold of. He found treasure in darkness. I've come to talk to some people in this room tonight. That the Bible says that wherever your heart is, that's where your treasures are. And oftentimes in a person's life, there's transition. And I believe the closer you get to God, or the closer you get to death, the closer you get I believe that treasures begin to change. You don't believe that? Look at the millionaire when he dies. When he's sitting back on his last few days, he's not concerned about how the stock market is doing. He's not concerned about how his company is doing. The scripture said, naked I came into this world. Naked. I shall leave this world. I believe that if we realize how we came in, And we realize how we're going to leave. We would not cling so tight to the things that we have gained. And hold on to the one that had the power to bring us here. And lock hold to the one that has the power to bring us out of here. He said, Brother Hurt, I learned something. I've come to tell you that when you learn some things, you can learn some things about from school. 
you can learn. You can go to college and learn a lot of good stuff. A teacher can teach you a language my son loves to learn. But there's some things that you can only get from God. And like we talked about this morning, seeking the unsearchable riches, seeking the mysteries of God. Far more greater than what anything that you can obtain with your carnal mind in this world. As he measured the suffering, and as he measured the fellowship that he had with Christ in the suffering, he esteemed the fellowship with Christ above the suffering. And even though the suffering caused him pain, and even though the suffering caused him sorrow, he said, Brother Hurd, if I could do it all over again, I choose suffering. I choose the sorrow. Because it was in that vehicle that God made himself known to me. There's some people in this room right now that you're going through suffering right as we speak. You've learned how to come to church, learn how to dance, you've learned how to worship, you've learned how to clap. You've learned how to preach. You've learned how to sing. You've learned how to say praise the Lord when your heart is like, where is the Lord? But can I tell you, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming. In the morning. See the thing is. That sometimes you don't value. The big things. The way that you should. Until all you have left. Are the small things. I've seen it. Remember when. I was a youth pastor. And in this church, I had everybody from the age of 35 to four. (laughs) That's how they did it in that organization. You had everybody from four to 35. And you you had to make it work. I remember taking the young people, 35 and under, 
And I, as a matter of fact, I was a youth pastor, and I, these folks were older than me, some of them. I was in my 20s. I had children. I said, we're going to go to the nursing home. We're going to preach in the nursing home. I was like, and not only are we going to preach, but we're also going to sing. The older young people will stand in the back. And the younger young people, the children, they would stand in the front. I said, we're going to sing some songs. We're not going to sing the new stuff. We're not going to sing at that time. We're not going to sing John P. Key. Fred Hammond, Hezekiah Walker. But we're going to sing some songs that come out of that hymn book. And I said, the reason why is because these songs are something that they can relate to. I was like, some of them have lost their mind. But it's amazing how a song can trigger a memory. I'd come into that nursing home and you would see those old people. Some of them sitting down drooling. Some of them had not seen their children or grandchildren in years. They're living, waiting on death. You could sit back and you could watch how the nurses in the nursing home, the majority of them could care less. I remember walking down the hallway and I look in a room and I just see a person just sitting in that wheelchair just hunched over. Waiting for death. I'm telling you that if you've got a mother or a father in a nursing home, go see him. But when they would hear the kids, all of a sudden, they would perk up. There were some that probably at one time, the reason why they were in there, there were some that they were too busy for their children when they were young. And because they were too busy for their children when they were young, their children were too busy for them when they were old. They would begin to sing. And all of a sudden, you could begin to feel life come into the room. I don't know why these 
all of them, why their children never showed up. But it's amazing when you're going through something. How the smallest things become the biggest. And the biggest become the smallest. Church, I am persuaded that we don't value God and we don't value each other like we should. There are those in this room that your marriage has gotten stronger by the storms that you went through. And not just the storms that you went through, but the storms that you came out of. There's some people, a mother, her and her husband, my stepfather, my mother's six foot tall. She's not a small woman. My stepfather is about five foot seven or eight. He's not a big man. And I remember coming home and she'd be beating on him. Why are you laughing at my stepfather? <laughs> Police would be at the door or in the parking lot. She kicked them down the stairs. He always kept coming back. He was in love with my mother for some reason. She'd break his arm. All of it stemmed from one night when they first met. Hadn't been together that long and he put his hands on her. And that was the last time he put his hands on her. I remember one time she called me. She said, George, if you don't get over here, I'm going to kill him. Mom didn't play. Came over to the house. She had had knives stuck in the hinges of the door. The door jam. I'm like, what in the world? She had one of those big old sticks that you put in a sliding door. And she was purpose in her mind that she was going to beat the brakes off of him when he came through that door. She opened up the door when he came in and he put the knives on the door. She put the knives on the door and the door jam to make just a whole bunch of extra locks. I'm sitting there. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm not going to let her kill him. He looks at me. He said, George, what's going on? And I'm goofy, you know, so I'm trying to 
keep a straight face. I'm like, man, she found out. And then he looks and he's like, he calls her Pooby. Pooby, what you doing with the knives? And she's sticking them into the door. She's booby trapping the door. It's like, George, what's going on? What's going on, man? I said, man, she found out about that woman. And then all of a sudden she said, I'm going to kill you. Like, don't kill him, don't kill him. So then I went and I grabbed the stick. I said, you're not going to kill him with this. So I grabbed the stick and then she started hammering him. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to let them, you know. (laughs) It wasn't right. I repented later. But if I would have had live stream for Facebook Live, it would have made a perfect video. <laughs> it would have went viral. She started choking him. He's like, Johnny, my mother's name is Johnny. Johnny, let me go. <coughs> George. I said, all right, now that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. I was like, she's like, I'm I'm going. And he said, George. He wanted me to take take me with him. He said, I'm scared. I'm scared of your mama. I'm scared to go to sleep at night. (laughs) And if my mother's watching right now, which is possible, she's probably like, no, he didn't. (laughs) am I right (laughs) no he didn't she's like you know you ain't right (laughs) what happened was after that she said you go she said you dead And I left. They never, she never killed him. Yes, that's good. (laughs) They moved to Las Vegas and she comes back and forth to Indianapolis and she was gone and she had to come home to take care of some family issues and I called her one day and she said I'm ready to go back to see my baby I said who Daniel my little brother she said no boy Morris I'm like that's your baby now that's my husband All the stuff we done went through together. You know, pain, trials that can separate can also bring you closer 
There's some people in this room right now that you're closer now after the pain than before you ever had pain. There's some of you right now that if you would have known the stuff you were going to have to go through after you came to Jesus, you probably would not have ever followed Jesus. But when you recognize that Jesus was still there and that Jesus never missed a beat, that Jesus still continued to love you and Jesus still continued to keep you. In spite of all the pain, in spite of all the chaos, he was still good to you. And you say today that I will never walk out on God. I done been through some things. I've endured some things. I've gone through some sorrow. I've gone through some storms. But the Lord has always been there. And I love him more today than what I did yesterday. I love him more today than I did before. And every day with Jesus gets sweeter than the day before. The Bible said, see now that I, even I, am he. The man of God said, I might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. It's amazing how people didn't mind knowing him when the power was there. But when suffering kick in, I don't, I don't know. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Me speak no English. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no man, I'm Jamaica man. Never been to Jerusalem. <laughs> I don't know him. It's amazing that Jesus had 12 that was right by his side when that power was flowing. They were even so by his side when the power was flowing that they got into a debate and said, let us, the mama said, you know, Jesus, I want to talk to you. You see these two boys? They my boys. And, and, and Jesus, I just want, I know you got these tw- t- these other ten. But, but, but these my boys. And, and I want to know, 
if it be possible, can my boy sit on one side and the other boy sit on the other side? She wanted them to be connected with power. She didn't want them to be on the sideline. She wanted them to sit as close to the throne as possible. Why? Because she saw the glory. She saw the power. She saw the authority. But the moment that Jesus has been captured and now your leader is smitened. All of a sudden, people want to serve a powerful Jesus, but they run from the suffering Jesus. I'm with you as long as we got the power. They they love Jesus when that that you know you know you know how folks are. Like you you you, you one of them twelve yeah you, yeah you know I'm one of the original you know I was out there fishing one day me and my brothers. You, we 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 the we we the original old J's. <laughs> Oh, the ODs, original disciples. <laughs> you know, we're the original ones. Yeah, you know, I, one day we was out there fishing, you know, and, you know, Jesus done a few miracles and he came by. I was like, you. He, he came to me first and then he went to my, my homie over there and he went to one of my other partners. We like, yeah, we good. So, you know, we just, we rode out with him and then we went and picked up a few of my other homies over there and we was like. <laughs> and after that, you know, it was like, it was on and popping. He was like, you know, I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. And all of a sudden, like, we just performing miracles. I like cast out a devil. I was like, yo. That's not a few devils, man. And then next thing you know, folks coming up from the dead. I'm like, man, I'm t- we that man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we with Jesus everywhere. We like, hey, Jesus, where you go sleep at? Where's your crib at? You know, we be trying to go home with you. And then he turned and looked at us and said, hey, Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. We like, whoa. <laughs> but we good because I mean like, you know, when we hungry, he's making fish sandwiches and if you I mean, like, can't nobody fry no fish like Jesus. When we run out of fish, he multiplies fish. I mean, he's feeding us. 
when taxes showed up, you know, he went fishing. <laughs> Took the coin out the fish's mouth. I'm rolling with Jesus. We 12 deep. Then Judas comes. You know, there's always going to be one in the bunch. It is believed that Judas, it is said that Judas was of the Maccabees or something and he wanted a revolt. That's what people are, that's what some people say. I don't know. But there are people that say that 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 they really wanted a revolt and that Jesus had the influence to do it. And that's possible why he was so vulnerable to make the decision that he made. But nevertheless, the Bible said he sought for a convenient way to betray Christ. Betrayal always comes through convenience. If you're looking for convenience, You'll mess around in betrayal. Loyalty is not proven through convenience, but loyalty is proven through inconvenience. So, they come and they capture him. And Peter, he was about that life, so he took the sword, chopped the ear off. Sliced it. Jesus turns around and picks up the ear from the ground. Puts it upon the head of the soldier. and Tells Peter, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. See, see the thing was, Peter was willing to kill for Jesus. But he wasn't willing to suffer for Jesus. I've learned that the folks that will kill for you might not suffer for you. Jesus tells Peter, he said, you live by that sword. You die by it. All of a sudden, he was good when there was power and he was good if he could fight back. You've already talked about being great. And I told you that what you're asking for is not mine to give, but if you're willing to drink, if you're willing to drink of the same baptism that I'm baptized with. What do you mean? He told them, he said, there's a baptism that's coming to you that also came to me. And a lot of times the church shouts, Pentecostals and apostolics shout off of being baptized in the name of Jesus and shout about being baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on. There's a baptize, There is a baptism of suffering that everyone in this world will have to go through if you intend on following Jesus. 
The Bible says that all of a sudden Peter, he dipped. Everybody cut out. It was like, yo, they caught him. What are we going to do? Man, you know, man, I'm good. So like Peter, Peter, he's somewhere. He's acting like he ain't even with Jesus. Somebody comes to him and said, I thought I saw you. Weren't you with Jesus? No, I ain't with Jesus. I don't even know him. So quick, it's amazing how we're quick to stand up when he's demonstrating power. How we're so silent when it's time to suffer. Jesus, you, you, you've been with Jesus. No. <laughs> you, know, you sound like a Galilean. I know. And then he starts cussing. Now, the thing was, we know that Peter had some issues, but not one time that Peter ever cussed. Is it recorded that Peter ever cussed in the presence of Jesus? He cussed because he did not, he felt as if, if he cussed, it would prove his disassociation with Jesus. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? Suffering can bring out the worst in you. Suffering can bring out the best in you. He told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He said, but I pray that your faith fell not. There's somebody in this room that you feel as though you're going through a sifting process. It's amazing that Jesus did not ask, did not pray, that Peter did not, did not deny him. He prayed that his faith would not fail. You can fail and your faith will still stand. There's some people in this room right now that at one place in your life, you had a failure. And the enemy would like to make you feel as though because you failed in that area that you can't stand in faith. Jesus did not pray that you would not fail. Jesus prayed that your faith would not fail. It's by faith that you stand. to deny me three times all of a sudden when Peter heard the cock crow there was a weeping that took place listen Judas was full of condemnation Peter was full of weeping. 
condemnation brings about the absence of faith. Weeping provides a place of faith and a place of hope. I'm reminded in the scripture where it says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Peter wept bitterly. But in the weeping, there was still hope. There's some people in this room this night that the enemy drove you to an isolated place. Judas drove himself crazy. But Peter, he began to weep. But it only lasted for a season. There are people in this room tonight that Christ is closer to you now than you were before you ever failed him. There's something about the mercies of God that are new every morning. The Bible says his mercy endureth forever. There are some people in this room tonight It is one thing when you suffer with Christ. But what do you do after you have rejected the season of intimacy? Why? Because fellowship comes with suffering. What do you do when you have rejected the suffering? And now Christ is saying, all right, it's time for suffering. To come back around. Peter suffered. The pain and the agony. Of betrayal. But the betrayal. I mean not betrayal. The denial. But is there anyone in this room. That has ever denied Christ of suffering. But he still refused to deny you of mercy. Is there somebody in this room tonight that can testify? I didn't always dot my eyes. I didn't always cross my T's. There were times where I should have stood up. But because of fear, I backed down. I've come to tell you that Christ is going to give you the power to stand. There are people right now that are so fearful because you can feel the shift in the climate and you're concerned 
and how you're going to respond when the test and the pressure comes to your life. But one thing about Christ is that he will never leave you in suffering, but he will be right there in fellowship. All manner of man may walk away from you, but Christ will be right there in the midst of the pain, right there in the midst of the sorrow, right there in the midst of the devastation. And he will show you something about himself that you never could have gotten anywhere else if you never would have went through that season of pain and suffering. said see now that I even I am he these are not he the adversary is not he and the reason why You need to reinforce that in your spirit. It's because there's only one God that lives forever. He is not supported. God doesn't get his life from somewhere else. He is not existing off of the spirit of another. He is not co-equal. He is not co-dependent. He isn't dependent upon two others. He's one God. You can divide three, but you can't divide one. And he said, I want you to know that I am he. What do you mean? I don't know what you were serving over there in Egypt, but I need you to know that I am he. I am the one that Abraham called on. I am the one that Isaac met. I am the one that Jacob dealt with. I am the one that called Moses. And you need to know that I am also that one that created the heaven and the earth. I am the one that put the moon, the sun, and the stars in the existence. I am the one that spoke and it was so. I am the one that said, let there be light and there was light. I am the one that speaks and it comes to pass I am the creator of things that you see and I am the creator of things that you don't see I am God and I change not I am the same yesterday today and forevermore I am the first I am the last I cannot be conquered I cannot be defeated I cannot be destroyed there is no other God beside me there is no other God coming before me or after me you've got to understand that I am the one I am your deliverer I am your battle axe I am your strength I am your shield I am your buckler 
You got to understand, young person, when someone comes to you and asks you who is your God and they say there's all kind of gods that are out there and uh, there are all kind of people that worship all kind of things. And you can go to India and you will see them worshiping millions of gods and you can go over into Thailand and you can see them worshiping their gods and you can go, praise the Lord, into South America, into Africa and find all kind of worship but can I tell you that their gods are dependent upon the true and the living God can I tell you church that we are serving a God that is not dependent on getting his next breath handed to him from one that is superior but can I tell you that our God is superior and everything is inferior to that one true and living God when you got a hold of God you got a hold of the only one he is the only one he is the holy one of Israel and you need to know with no mistake about it that God is one that Christ is one and can I tell you tonight that he is that one and there is no God with him what do you mean brother Herb if there was a God with him then he could be compromised if there was a God with him then there was a potential to be vulnerable if there was a God with him then you've got a whole nother mindset that has to submit himself to at least one but can I tell you that God is one you got to understand praise the Lord that if there was three praise the Lord then those three would have to yield their will to one but can I tell you that God is not yielding his will to one our God is one and can I tell you that his will is God the book of John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God all things were made by him and without him was nothing made he said I want you to know he said I have the power he said I kill and I make alive I said that he said I had the power but that's what I added praise the Lord you got to understand that he did not get his power handed to him he doesn't have to ask permission praise the Lord to kill anything he said I am he and he said and I kill can I talk to somebody praise the Lord tonight that God is a God kills praise the Lord that God has the power to destroy there is none that can deliver out of the hand of God there is none that can destroy the power of God there is none that can withstand the sovereignty of God he said I kill but listen up he also says and I make a live what do you mean by the hurt there's some people praise the Lord that are going through some things right now and you are looking and you're trying to figure out how are you going to go through this next coming season in your life can I tell you that the very adversary that tells you that it's going to kill you is a very adversary is submitted to a God that says that I kill can I tell you that God can destroy the weapon that is formed against you that God can destroy the enemy that is 
is coming against you that God has a power to not only kill you but God has a power to shut down and to destroy everything that is around you he said I kill he said and I make alive there's somebody in this room you say I don't think I can live through this season can I tell you that God can keep you in this season you say preacher I died in a previous season can I tell you that God can make you alive even after you have died in the previous season the Bible says that Jesus goes to Martha and Mary and said where have you laid him they said he's been in the grave he's been in the tomb for four days he's stinking by now but I can tell somebody in this church tonight I don't care how long you've been dead I don't care how long you've been stinking I don't care if they've sealed the tomb he is the resurrection and he kills and he makes alive he doesn't have to go through a council of people to raise you up from the grave he does not have to consult with congress and wait for congress to come into agreement to resurrect you when god opens up a door he opens up a door that no man can shut when god delivers who can deliver out of his hands when god sets free who can bind you again can i talk to somebody under the sound of my voice if god be before you he's more than this world against you neither is there any that can deliver You need to quit approaching giants as if you have no God. My God kills and my God makes alive. My God kills and my God makes alive. What does that I believe that everything that comes doesn't have the power to overtake. A thousand shall fall at thy side. Ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh unto thee. These are scriptures that Israel used to war with. These are scriptures and promises that that Israel used to fight with. He said, I am God. There is none beside me, with me. I kill. I make a lie. What do you mean? He has power over what comes and he has power over what goes. Yeah. 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 
that means to me that I believe that God can block some things. I can't remember what mall shooting it was. But there was a girl that was in a mall and the man came in and shot up the mall. Lined these people up one by one, shot them, pow. I think it was a mall, shot them, pow. Went to the next one, shot them, pow. Went to the next one, shot them there, pow. And then went to this girl. And as soon as he looked at her, she pointed her finger and she said, in the name of Jesus. And he said, what did you say? In the name of Jesus. He put his gun down. Shot the next person. Turned the gun on himself. And shot himself dead. What are you saying brother Hurt? God will fight your enemy. You've got to understand that God is with you. That even though you might not be able to watch your back, God got your future. God's got your destiny. God has a promise for you. What do you mean by the herd? Uh, you've got to understand, praise God, that even Saul wanted to kill David. Uh, and David threw the javelin at Saul. You've got to understand that Saul was a Benjamite. Uh, Saul knew something about throwing that javelin. Uh, Saul was a left-handed fighter. He was trained in throwing that javelin. Uh, Saul was a mighty warrior. But can I tell you that when the javelin was thrown, that David, uh, you got to understand that he was it was told uh, by a man that knew how to hit his target. Uh, but when you've got the promise of God on your life, uh, the javelin, uh, when flesh don't want to obey, uh, the javelin uh, will move in another direction and say the anointing of God is upon this life. Uh, the promise of God is upon this life. Uh, our God kills uh, and our God makes a lie. I wound and I heal. Sometimes when people read these scriptures, why is it God's people always see God killing them instead of making them alive? As soon as I quoted it, many of you started thinking judgment. Why is it that when God says, I wound, and I heal. You start thinking about God wounding you. Come on. 
Have you ever thought that God can wound your enemy? Have you ever thought that God can wound the principality that wants to destroy you? Don't you? Have you ever thought that God can wound that witch's coven that wants to put something against you? Have you ever thought? He said, and I heal. Have you ever thought that God will heal you? What do you mean? I'm not saying that you won't be wounded, but I promise you he can heal you. I'm not telling you that you won't be killed, but I promise you he can make you alive. Whatever the enemy can do, God can reverse it. Whatever the enemy can do in your life, God has the power to not only do the same thing, but he has the power to reverse the thing that was done to your life. I lift up my hand unto heaven. He said, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. There's not an army. There's not a nation. There's not a one world military. There's not enough angels there's not enough devils. If you took all of creation from the beginning of Adam to the end of this world and the people that remain throughout the millennial reign, saints and sinners, angels that are in heaven and devils that are in the earth, and, you were, and it was possible to get them all to turn against God, All still doesn't have the power to deliver one soul out of the hand of God. What do you mean? If I lift up my hands to heaven and say I live forever. If I with my glittering sword in my hand take hold on judgment. I will render vengeance to my enemies and I will reward them that hate me. I will make my enemies, make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that the blood of the stain and this, the blood of the slain and of the captives for the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations. With his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants. And will render vengeance to his adversaries. And will be merciful unto his land. And to his people. Who are you? Who are you? I promise you. If you suffer with him, you will reign with him. God has bestowed great mercy to his people. 
want you to lift your hands tonight. Oh, God. Bible says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. If you fear God, you won't fear your adversary. But if you won't fear God, you will fear everything. that God has given you power over. Tonight, God is looking for somebody that will say, Lord, I'm going to use wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we have preached that you are he, but help us to believe that you are he. Tonight, Lay it aside tonight. Humble yourself tonight. If you're easily offended, kill it. If you're easily offended, if it offends you when God corrects, if it offends you when God directs you, get rid of it. Why? Because suffering not only will perfect you, you can't have Perfection without correction. How many of you want to be perfected? Come on tonight. Let's talk to the Lord. There's some things you've got to lay aside. Every week. Sometimes we focus on laying aside the sin, but don't 
lay aside the weight. What are the weights in your life? It's time to get rid of it. If you've always got to be the one to give somebody a piece of your mind, you're going to lose it. It would be best if you remain silent and speak that thing to the Lord and ask God to give you a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's time to be peacemakers. It's time to get that bitterness out of your heart. Come on. God knows how to bring suffering. To uproot things. that have attached itself to you. Everybody in this room from time to time have got to go through a place called the valley. Everybody in this room at one place or another will have to go to a place called suffering. Time to fall upon the stone tonight and live. Draw me nearer, God. Nearer to your precious bleeding side. I need your blood. Oh, God, I need your mercy. I'm ready to kill this thing that is a separation between you and me. I don't want to tolerate it anymore. I want to destroy it. Come on. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on. Keep talking to the Lord.
requires a kingdom advancement that the church is in right now. I'm reminded here in the scripture it says when they therefore were come together they asked of him saying Lord when Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his hands, in his power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. They were looking for a restoration of the natural kingdom. But Jesus wanted an advancement of the spiritual kingdom. The natural kingdom will come last. But the spiritual kingdom must be established first. And Jesus tells him you're going to receive power. The church in the book of Acts chapter 4 the church came under great pressure. Remember the first time they came under pressure they scattered. They scattered when the suffering came. But look at the apostles. This time, they didn't scatter. This time, they came together. They gathered themselves together. And they began to pray for an even greater boldness. And God did more than what he did before. The threatenings. I've come to tell you this night that as your prayer gather your prayer gatherings increase, and by threatenings increasing, if you won't scatter, but gather yourselves together and pray there will be an advancement of the kingdom of God in this area and into the areas that this church is a hub for. It's one thing to be trusted with power. 
another thing to be trusted with suffering. And if you're willing to suffer, you will reign. If you're willing to drink of your cup, stand. Many people look for the rapture as a bailout plan. The rapture is not a bailout plan, it's a revival plan. I want you to look for the glory of God to be manifest in this hour. Not saying don't look for the coming of the Lord. But while you're watching and praying, you need to be working. And if you suffer, you will reign. I, I love to see it when I see people go out and win the loss. I love to see those young men and young ladies and older men, older ladies to just go, you know what it is like to be betrayed. You know what it is like to be rejected. But you're willing to get up and do it anyway. If a storm comes into your life, there's a preacher friend back home that lost his wife the other day. But he didn't quit. There's something bigger that he's after. In church, we've got to make New Jerusalem much bigger than anything that is in this life. You want to go higher, I want you to lift your hands tonight. I'm surrendering all. I am surrendering all to the Lord. In the name of Jesus. God's going to do a work in you. There's a crushing. There's a crushing, but there's an oil that is produced through the crushing. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. There is an oil. You can't get it out of the alabaster box unless you break the box. Come on. Ah. I will be broken for you, Lord. Glory to your name. Holy is your name, Jesus. Glory to your name. Hallelujah.
I'm making room for you, Lord. That's it. Come on. That's it. Keep talking to the Lord. A commitment. I'm committed all the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. I am yours, God. Do with me what you will. I am at your disposal. I'm confident. Lord, let there be a restoration of confidence in this house today. find out that the things that you fear was nothing more than just a thought in your mind that never was going to come to pass. And while you've been tormented with the thought, you've been robbed of the joy of expectation of the Lord prevailing in your life. Pastor asked me the other night, he said, Brother Hurt, he said, do all your dreams come from the Lord? I said, no. I only talk about the ones that do. Not all of the ones that do, but only certain ones. I was like, I got some dreams that don't come from the Lord. There have been times I woke up and the dream of feels so real. I started getting fearful and all of a sudden I started getting agitated. Started getting angry. There have been times where I've had dreams and my wife said something or did something to me in the dream and I woke up. And I said, who's such and such? I was like, what? I don't know, it felt real. George, you need to just go to bed. It's just a dream. 
There's some dreams that come from the Lord and there's some dreams that just come through a multitude of business. There's some dreams that come from the Lord and there's some dreams that are just thoughts that come out of your human imagination. There's some dreams that come from the Lord and some dreams that just come from the devil. But as you're sojourning through this land, you've got to learn to know what comes from God. What comes from the devil and what comes from man. I remember being one that was tormented with fear. That was the reason why I liked to, used to like to invoke fear on people because I was tormented by it. I remember as I was getting delivered, the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, George, because I was always wait, I was always in expectation of something. he spoke to me he said George he said if I ever speak to you even concerning something about you that I don't like he said if I ever speak to you concerning something that's going to happen that might be uncomfortable with you I will never speak to you in the spirit of fear. He said, I will always speak and there will be peace. Even if you don't like it, there's going to be a peace. It's not that you might not respond sometimes with fear. But there's going to be a peace and you got to know how God is coming because sister I prayed for you right when you can separate the difference sometimes I have to in being one that God talks to me and prophetic I have to with the hard things that may try to make me fearful, I have to go back and say, all right, what spirit came? Even when God is rebuking me, there's a peace. I'm not going to say it makes you comfortable. It's a difference between getting a whooping from your mama and whooping from somebody in the street. At least when you're getting a whooping from mama, you think, no, sometimes you may feel like you're dying, but (laughs) at least, (laughs) at least my mama. down inside I knew she loved me deep down inside I knew that somehow or another
live deep down inside and it's coming to an end. But when God speaks, he'll let you know what's coming. But don't get the cart before the horse. I've learned and I'm still learning how to wait on God even after he speaks. I try not to get in God's business and that's the how business. I I try to trust him with expectation of him prevailing. I live in an expectation of the prevailing power of God. That if something bad is happening, I tell the kids sometimes when it's raining outside, it's not rained really since we've been here, when we're going outside. But if I had to run to the car, I tell kids all the time, I'm going to show you how to dance between the raindrops and not get wet. I'm pretty fast, but I ain't that fast. (laughs) But I believe that if there was fire falling from heaven, that we could run between the drops and not get caught. Because you got to know what's meant for you and what may be meant for someone else. And even if something might be meant for you, you've got to trust in the capability of God's power and mercy and glory. Just because the weapon formed don't mean it's going to prosper. I've got a peace in my spirit that everything's going to be all right. But I got to keep moving. But if he slay me, I'm going to trust him. Death is not defeat. The Lord spoke to me earlier. He said, George, He said, it is time for the church to quit looking at death as defeat when one of us leave, but begin to look at the victory. There's a victory that comes. He said, I will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The last enemy that you will fight is death. All the war that you deal with in this life is because the enemy, you thinking that you're fighting the devil. And for some reason, the people feel as though Satan is your worst enemy. Or that's the biggest enemy that you will fight. 
But there's one greater than Satan. It's called death. But I know one that can deliver. So if you die, you'll live again. If you die in the faith. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now he's gone to receive his reward. Anybody want to see Jesus? Lift your hands right now. Begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to go to a place. All me 